It is the 11 Dubcast. I am Johnny. He is Andy. And it is it is the night of the finale of March Madness of the NCAA tournament. We're recording this at 7.41 p.m. on Monday evening. So the game has not yet started. It will start in approximately, I mean, it says 9.20. That's then they say the tip is. And when, you know, here's the thing. When they tell you that a game is going to start at 8 o'clock, you're like, okay, well, that's definitely not going to happen, right? Like, there's no way. But when they're very specific about the time of the tip, I, I tend to believe that that's what's going to happen. So let's say at 9.20, this thing starts at 1 a.m. It ends. I don't know. I don't know how many commercials you're going to try to throw in there or how long the final minute's going to take. But how are you feeling about the outcome of this game? Which team do you think is going to win? And which team do you think you want to win? I mean, I hate to start out an episode, you know, with the old man yells at cloud segment, but I will. Cause like when they rolled out I that time, my mutual. I got Oh my go God. I, when I, when I read that graphic and it's nine 20, I'm like, why not 10 30 on a Monday <laughs> night? I mean, geez, you know, let's run this right up to 1am for crying old, out loud. old man, Andy, I, I mean, I go to bed, not me. I'm up for all night. That's what I was saying before we recorded. I'm I start this thing at midnight. We're doing pack 12 after dark in the national time. <laughs> Okay, my guess. No, I lied. I, I, I was. I'm just as salty as you are. I freaking hate. I, you know, number one, I, I will say I hate that we do these national championships on a Monday night anyway. Yeah, that's also stupid. Like this is, you know, there's a reason that you know, people gripe you the world over about Mondays. So you know, this is already not a day that uh, I'm I'm super jacked up about a sporting event. You know, other than Monday night football, but that's like part of the accepted lore of the sport now this thing about doing the college championship games on monday night just i don't know just frost my ass i it's weird I'm, I'm not a fan and so especially the way they you know they had the opportunity here because they changed some dates like on opening weekend and, and mm -hmm. all that like you could rearrange this there was no reason that we couldn't have had this game like last night and that would have been fine uh, I don't know. I just think it's, it's well, it's, it's weird crazy. because like it almost feels that college sports are totally fine with acquiescing to pro sports. You know what I mean? Where they're just saying, no, 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 we'll take Monday. We know we're not that cool. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I don't like why? Like, especially now, I understand it when the playoffs are going on with the NFL. I mean, you can't, you're not going to be bumping up against Sunday football or whatever, but we're in april it's not <laughs> baseball just started i guess nobody's playing any marquee games at night on a sunday or a Saturday. it's i don't know it doesn't make any sense to me it's i think dumb. i think gonzaga is going to pull it off i think they'll have the first undefeated season since the 70s which would be pretty kick-ass and mark few is going to get his first national championship i i know they struggled a little bit against ucla uh mick cronin had that you know evil quizzling uh, Benedict Arnold energy going on and that got him to uh, the final four. But, you know, Gonzaga pulled it off with that kick-ass three at the end of the game. I think they'll come out energized. They know, they know that Mark Few, I mean, like given his history and all the things that he's accomplished without winning at all, I think that team is going to be super freaking motivated and I think they'll get it done tonight. So, yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed actually that, uh, that UCLA game. I thought it was a great game. Yeah, it was a great game. That was, I don't know that you, you can make an argument that might've been the best game of the tournament, you know, top to bottom. It was a really, yeah. really exciting game. A lot of back and forth. Uh, just, it, it was fun to watch. It was good basketball. Mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun to watch. I, I enjoyed it, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm zags all the way on this one. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we talked about it the last couple episodes. It's, it's really incredible the record and resume that Mark few has as a coach to not have a banner hanging, you know, yeah. for 
a championship. So it just, I mean, guys do, uh, and that team's fun to watch. They're, they're pretty good at the game. So let's, let's have at it. And who knows, by the time y'all are listening to this, uh, you, you may be, uh, you may be laughing at us for being all zags because Baylor's done the deal, but you know, I'm, look, I'm, if one, I'm putting my, I'm putting my hot take out there on the line. It's, it's going to be the zags. And I don't okay, think, but if be. one number one seated team beats another number one seated team, I don't feel like I need to take that much heat for that. I don't think that saying like, well, the, the, best team out of a 64 team tournament got beat by the second best team out of a 64 team tournament i don't know if that's too much of a bad call upsets uh, galore baby yeah well and that's the other thing is that i i said this was going to happen we got a question and ask us anything where people said okay what's your what's your strategy for figuring out all these brackets and what's your you know what's your plan what's your game plan i'm like here's the thing march madness is fun for the first two rounds and then it just regresses super hard back to the mean and the elite eight and beyond. And so you just have to kind of plan accordingly. And that's exactly what happened this year. And I wish I was, I wish I kind of followed my own advice, which I didn't because I'm stupid, but you know, it's like you said, that game, UCLA Gonzaga was probably the best game in the tournament. Certainly the best game in the last couple of rounds um, where it was just blowouts and, you know, chalk and it was not that fun, but um yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's been a good tournament. I just, you know, I, I crave the actual late round upsets that I never seem to be able to get. By the way, real quick thing, we're going to talk a little about spring football and some other things as well. But I do want to mention this kind of line item that's that's happened today, which was, um, you know, UNC, right? They're they're losing their their coach or they have lost their coach, right? Like it's it's good old Roy Williams is, is peace out. He doesn't like the recruiting game and how everything's going around anymore. So he's like, I'm done. Which, frankly, good for that dude. I, I appreciate that when someone sees the writing on the wall and says, this is not for me, they just dip. And they're like, I'm out. Totally yeah. respect that. Totally respect it. Absolutely. Uh, for a half second, Chris Holtman was kind of mentioned as a possible replacement for old Roy. And that didn't end up happening. Did you did you think that that was a possibility? Do you think Holtman's going to get more attention? Or do you think that's kind of like, okay, they just threw a hat in the ring because they wanted to maybe... I don't know, shade away the real guy that they were hiring Huber. I mean, right, wrong, or other. I I think North Carolina is going to do whatever it wants to do. It's North Carolina. It's arguably the premier program in the sport, right? Like, I think you can make an argument, which who's the greater program all times in North Carolina? Is it Kentucky? You know, which one's the bigger brand per se? North Carolina, um, you know, I I think you can make that argument pretty handily. Mm -hmm. So they're going to do whatever they want to do. And it doesn't matter. I don't think they need to, you know, interview a hundred people to say they did their due diligence. Uh, but it didn't surprise me that Holtman got a look. I think my read of the tea leaves is that people outside of Columbus have a lot more respect for Chris Holtman <laughs> than oh, yeah. people in the fan base and, and maybe on the beat do, you know, for whatever reason, um, case in point, Jeff Goodman uh, at stadium.com or watch stadium.com has his way too early preseason top 25 for next year out already. And (laughs) after Gonzaga, who might be the defending national champions, who do you think is the number two team in his way too early preseason top 25? The Ohio State Buckeyes that got bounced in the first round by Oral Roberts. Yes, that team. That team. I don't know that I believe that, but I, I do. I do appreciate that. I, I agree with you. I think Chris Holtman definitely gets a lot more love nationally than maybe locally, and I think that's partly in, in terms of just an expectations game. 
nationally, I don't think people expect Ohio State to be a national contender. I really don't. They, they see Ohio State as a football school, and that's that's that. And their basketball but, but, but team I'm going to challenge that good. for a second, though, Johnny, because if that was the case, uh, and, and I would agree with you if we were talking about this four years ago, five years ago, but if that were the case, Chris Holtman isn't rumored to be a candidate at the North Carolina job, and you don't have otherwise respected – basketball pundits tossing Ohio state out as a number two preseason team. Yeah. In the country. Well, like, I think that's, I, I just, I think, I, I, I think Ohio state has the potential to be the rare beast that walks and chews gum at the same time with the revenue sports. Well, I think it, it's more of a testament to how they feel about Holtman than Ohio state in general, because they're like, okay, well, this guy comes into a place that ostensibly, you know, they, they play, they play football. Great. They're a great football school. They they're okay. They're okay to good you know, on average at basketball. And then you've got this guy who's kind of elevating them. That's so that's why I think they like Holtman, not because they think the program is like this great humming machine of, of basketball, but because they've got a guy who's elevating everybody to be better than that. Um, and that's why I think he's getting national attention, not because they think Ohio state as a program is doing great, but because Chris Holtman is the guy who can elevate it. I, here's the thing though, like what teams, I mean, we talked about this also a little bit in the tournament, but how many programs out there are really doing it on a consistent basis anyway, in, in college basketball, like it, it's not quite college football where you've got literally three teams and you're like, okay, well, there are three teams that we know are going to be good this year. And then the rest is kind of a crapshoot, but there aren't that much many more in, in men's basketball. I, I think with, you know, you could, you could argue Michigan. I obviously, I mean, you could look at Duke even, but I, on a year-to-year basis, I think there's just a handful of teams that people really respect and, and say that we know this is going to be a national contender that's going to go deep into the tournament. I don't think Ohio State's one of those teams. Yeah, and, and here's to, that way. You know, to your point about the how many teams are really in it consistently, you know, if I go down through just using Goodman's preseason top 25 as a benchmark, all right, so Gonzaga mm-hmm. back at number one. All right, Gonzaga's, Gonzaga's potentially a contender all the time. Mark, Mark right. Hughes got, you know, we, we talked about his record last episode. Okay, Ohio State, UCLA. Now, UCLA has been out in the wilderness uh, for a while, but I mean that, you know, again, if you go back historically, <laughs> at least under the Wizard of Westwood, that was, that was the preeminent program for what, a 10-year stretch? Yeah. Um, okay. Purdue, Maryland, Kansas, again, another blue blood Duke, you know, so, but you go through that list there just in that top eight and, and you're looking and saying, okay, UCLA, a blue blood that had maybe lost some of its shine uh, and now looks like maybe they're coming back Kansas and Duke perennial favorites. And, and then otherwise, you know, okay. Purdue's a basketball school. Sure. But when was the last time they were in the final four? Right. Uh, you know, to, to your point again, Maryland, great basketball school. What, when was their last final four? Uh, and then you round out the top 10 with Alabama, Florida state and Baylor. So, you know, yeah, your point's well made. Like this is, the, this has been the traditional blue bloods. You see Kentucky checking in at like number 15, uh, Syracuse at like number 13. I, you know, I, I think there's opportunity. I think the emergence of the transfer portal to circle back to Roy Williams, punching out and saying, peace out homies. I think the transfer portal makes for the opportunity for a little bit more parity uh, just in the sense that, you know, if you're a team like Ohio state, that maybe isn't UK Duke, North Carolina. And you say, Hey, you know what? We really need a point guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can go out in the off season and get a point guard. Right. It's not quite free agency, but we're moving that direction. 
Uh, I mean, yes, I, I think, I think you can actually even go ahead and say, yep, it's free agency. <laughs> I think, at I least think this year, because there's about 1700 people in the portal. <laughs> yeah, that's what, exactly, exactly. Like that's where I'm at with that. And it's, it's pretty much, I think that is exactly what's going on. I think free agency is, is here and, you know, you can talk about like name and image likeness and what that's going to look like going forward. And I, I think the writing's pretty clearly on the wall with that. Um, and by the way, I think that helps in Ohio State. Now it yeah. does. Now it's certainly going to help North Carolina to Kentucky oh, sure. quite a lot too, because their brands are well established. But Ohio State is going to have Ohio State is going to have the advantage of you know that national brand, ginormous fan base, mm-hmm. uh, and the infrastructure. By the way, you know who do you right. think? Look, look at Ohio State's communication shop. Look at their social media shop. Look at like they are built to be able to help these players navigate and capitalize on name, image, and likeness. In By the way, this is an extremely, this is an extremely weird idle thought, but like, so we've, we've talked, you know, kind of off uh, the dub cast about NFTs, right. About the yeah. non-fungible tokens, things I do not understand for a thousand yeah. Alex. Yeah. Yeah. So like the idea that you can like basically monetize a piece of digital art or a tweet or something like that. Okay. So let's say Ohio state football goes ahead and uh, I don't know, let's say they, they tweet a picture of like Dewan Jones doing super hilarious or whatever. And they put his like handle on there. Could then Mr. Jones, uh, put slap an nft on that sucker and then sell it for like ten thousand dollars is that is that within the realm of possibility not, not ten thousand dollars ten thousand ethereum that's right ethereum yeah like whatever that. the ethereum equivalent <laughs> dogecoin i, I don't know <laughs> yeah I, I mean yeah i guess <laughs> that would be kind of hilarious and again nfts don't support them just terrible for all kinds of reasons but i'm just saying it's interesting i just feel like there's so many different ways that players can potentially monetize what they're doing and i like some people are freaked out by that i actually am excited to see how creative they get i think there might be some really fun interesting things that they try to to get going so i don't know they're college kids they're gonna do fun stuff they're gonna do interesting stuff i'm kind of excited about that yeah and i'm, I'm of the mind i think i think we're this is taking longer than it should in terms of the the name image and likeness no i'm not and this is one of the challenges not to get off in the weeds on this particular debate this is one of the challenges i think you know fans have differentiating quote-unquote pay for play versus name image and likeness so if you're you know a, a dinosaur like me the idea of ohio state stroking a check to its starting quarterback is bothersome like mm-hmm. that 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 i'm super uncomfortable with for many of the reasons that fans typically articulate and probably ones that they don't articulate because they're thinking about it only through the lens of fandom. But I do think, you know, if you're a college athlete, a a student athlete to, to quote Eric Cartman, uh, you should have the opportunity to capitalize on your, your name, your, your image, your likeness. So, so on. Yeah, that, that to me is just common. That is that is that is sensible. Like the the hoops that these kids have to jump through for any little thing they do online. You know, you want to set up a oh, it's crazy fund me because you know your sister house blew over in a hurricane or whatever, and I have to jump through all those compliance hoops. Now, guess what? They're still going to have to jump through all those compliance hoops to make the money, but at least they won't be you know in in constant fear of losing their eligibility over some of the super dumb things that the NCAA currently prohibits. Yeah. 
and, and <laughs> super dumb things being the operative phrase. Is that I, the motto of the NC2A? <laughs> yeah, it is. Then... It really is. It really is. That's that's pretty pretty accurate. So Here for super dumb things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tonight we'll we'll watch the game as it goes on, and I'm sure Baylor will win and make us look like chumps, but whatever. I don't care. All right. Um, so while we're on the topic of basketball, I don't want to get off yeah. basketball yet. So we talked about Ohio State being number two in Goodman's preseason top twenty-five. Uh, you, you, you say too high. I say uh, probably would be happier if they weren't starting the season with top five expectations. Oh yeah. So, uh, in, in terms of you know you like the idea of uh, under promise and over deliver, but right. okay. So some roster news, right? You you lose Musa Jallo to the transfer. Oh, that's right. And and you gain. Uh, let's see. Um, Jamari Wheeler uh, bringing in Jamari Wheeler from Penn State via the transfer portal. So a couple opportunities there. The other big news I thought was interesting is EJ Liddell testing the waters of the 21 draft. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, EJ going to find a favorable draft grade or will he be back in 2021, 22? I mean, (laughs) I don't know that the answers to those are are mutually exclusive. I I think that uh, I think he won't get a super great draft grade. I think he still may not come back. Uh, I mean, if he gets an awful draft grade, then no. I mean, he's he's probably going to come back. But, you know, you can make a lot of money not getting drafted. Honestly, you don't have to play in the NBA. There's lots of other avenues to make a decent chunk of change um, playing basketball elsewhere. And, I mean, you see that with, like, Jared Solder is still doing his thing, right, and destroying people <laughs> in, in other leagues across the seas. Um you know, I, the Musa thing is kind of weird. He's probably, I mean, this is not a huge compliment to Musa, but one of the better defenders on the team, just, but unfortunately, super, 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 you know, single dimension, you know, single dimensional. He's, he's 2, not 2. a guy. 2.9 points per game on average. Yeah. Not going to give you a lot on the offensive end. So you bring in a guy from Penn state, you get some, hopefully a little bit more offense. I know they'll be looking for more transfers probably. Um, and there's a lot out there as you noted. And I don't know, man, I, EJ Liddell Liddell is a really, really, really good player, and it would suck horribly if he was not uh, back at Ohio State. I think they would have to – they would really struggle to kind of replace a lot of what he does. But, you know, it's hard for me to blame a guy. If you're, you're like, going, okay, I can make 300, 400 grand overseas and have a pretty nice life in a nice country. Like, it's it's hard for me to kind of, like, disagree with that decision. Like – if you're thinking about the NFL, right? NFL to me is an entirely different, different beast. If a guy is a borderline, like fourth, fifth round pick or whatever, I think the smart move is to stay in college because yeah, you can increase your, your stock and, and, you know, hopefully get a good payday out of it. Because if you get drafted one later rounds, there's no guarantee they'll get anything beyond a few months. Like that's it. Like a lot of those guys in later rounds are they're cut and they're done and that's it. And they're waiting around for a call that doesn't necessarily come if you're a guy like EJ Liddell, you got a really nice long career making some good cash in a nice situation. That's a different, that's a whole different thing to me. So I don't, you know, I, I don't view players leaving uh, college basketball the same way that I do um, players leaving college football early. Cause I, I just think the opportunity is, is quite a bit better overall. Well, I, and you know, I always tell the story that the thing that convinced me, and this is, you know, connecting the dot between football and basketball, the thing convinced that convinced me that guys, if they're first draft uh, picks for first round draft picks in the NFL 
should absolutely go 100% of the time oh, yeah. was, was Greg Oden. Uh, because oh, sure, yeah. you look at, at Oden as a guy that I loved watching him play basketball. You know, he gets drafted and just has this series of unfortunate events to, to borrow a popular book series title and never has the career that he should have. But you know what? He, he got he got his shot and that that first round money wasn't nothing and you know now he's able to go back and go to school and, and so on and so right. forth but you know he comes back and plays a season and goes through that same series now i would say ohio state's medical staff probably would have done better than the portland staff did uh sure. but you know maybe he never gets drafted you know maybe his career yeah. ends in college so that that's that was the moment when i said you know what these guys need to go get theirs when they can uh, and I still struggle with some of the opt-outs in bowl season and this and that and everything, but, but back to, back to basketball specifically, I, I hope Liddell comes back. I think he needs another season, um, to really put himself into contention to be a reasonable draft pick. I think he's got the tools, but I'd, I'd sure like to see him back. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's as far as Ohio state goes, I mean, he's the production that he brings is just really, really important to the team. And I don't know. You know, people do have a lot of expectations for Ohio State next season. I think in part because you you feel like everybody's so pissed that they're going to want to come back and you know hopefully do a little bit better in the tournament next year. But um, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But for now, Holtman's definitely staying in Columbus. That's nice. And uh, they've got some moves to make when it comes to transfer season, and, and maybe they'll be able to shore up, especially the defensive side of the ball. But you know, maybe give some more consistent offensive production off the bench and that kind of thing. So, um, by the way, speaking of figuring out what your team's going to look like, Ohio State football is currently in the process of doing that right now. You know, obviously there's spring practice. Spring practice has been fairly locked down. Not a not a ton to really uh, get into, but I, I do want to talk about quarterbacks a little bit. Um, you got to feel at this point, right, that the the person who's leading this okay the person who i think you can probably put tabs on as as being the guy uh whose job it is to lose is cj stroud right like and that that's not like news that's not something that people are super surprised by but in terms of i guess trust because that's really what it's about right when you've got a new starting quarterback i I feel like ryan day trusts cj stroud right now i feel like he trusts him with the offense and it's gonna be really hard to unseat him uh, barring an injury or something like that uh, going forward, because that's, I, I don't know. I know he says it's not set in stone. I feel like it's kind of set in stone, frankly. He, of course, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for coaches to do coach speak. Oh, and, sure. <laughs> it's one of the things I love about this season. Uh thought uh, Colin and, and Dan have done a good job, both on the site and on Twitter of covering uh, the, the, the spring uh debate who will it be and it's it's just wild this whole situation still blows my mind because you've had i guess sort of established guys going into it for a while mm-hmm. and and now you come in here where you've got three guys who have a sum total of what less than 20 snaps <laughs> yeah in their in their cumulative college game time experience um it's pretty wild. I'm with you. I think Stroud's the guy. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but it could change. I mean, who knows? Things could change. Maybe and, he and the thing that's so weird about know. this off season, right? Like we're getting, we're getting less because, because we're still under COVID protocols, mm-hmm. you know, Dan and Colin and the beat They're They're not able to actually get in and see these guys. 
right uh, like you would you know the normal practices open to the media and so on. not that ohio state's ever been like the most transparent program about that sort of thing but you're getting even less uh exposure to see them and to evaluate okay how do they really look out there well in spring ball here's the thing though it, it how many times have you heard a guy who is a presumptive starting quarterback losing the job in fall camp? Like how often does that really happen? Right. Yeah. Like where you're like, okay, this dude's we through the spring, we're solid on this guy. We like him. And then some, at some point during fall camp, people are like, nah, let's <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. Even guys who are clearly in over their heads, who should not be the starting quarterback. Joe Bowserman was a starting quarterback out of fall camp. Okay. Like, it's not, I understand that we, we like to get in this horse race and talk about, you know, okay, is this guy having a better practice? But honestly, if you're talking about who the number one is, if you already pretty much in the pecking order have established that I it's, it's so hard to upend that in my opinion. However, here's what I will say. And this is kind of maybe giving credence to that theory is that when asked about running backs, even though you have a guy with a crap ton of carries and a lot of experience, Ryan Day's like, yeah, we'll see. Let's find out. We'll see. There's no number one right now. That tells me a lot. That tells me a lot because with running backs, yes, maybe you could see a guy come in as a true freshman whatever, and, and light it up and end up becoming the starter. I just don't see that with the quarterbacks right now because that does not seem to be the way the pecking order is playing out. Right. And, you know, of course, running back such a different position. Yeah, of course. In, absolutely. In that, you know, the straw that stirs the drink and all that with – the quarterback you look out at, at how much you know what ohio state asks its quarterbacks to do and yep. the caliber of leadership that they've had for a while now from from qb number one so yeah that doesn't it didn't surprise me and, and i don't I, i'm just really eager to get to see see some real snaps there's so much talent in that quarterback room mm-hmm. uh you, you know it's kind of you've been watching these guys come up and you get excited about them through the recruiting process and uh, you see little snippets like that. And then, you know, of course, last season, Oh, we're going to go into a game. Eh, we're not going to actually attempt any, <laughs> any passing plays with you. So sorry. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm ready to see what these guys look like. Do they have the goods? Well, and that's the thing though, because I know, you know, especially if you're big into recruiting, right. And you follow all these players throughout the recruiting process, you're probably going to, root for one guy over the other and that's totally fine i understand that i understand saying like oh man cj Stroud, i'm waiting for this guy to be able to throw passes and you know buckeye uniform i, I gotta see it or jack miller whatever i i get that i totally understand that uh i also just i would hope that people who are within the side of my voice understand that that drama is pretty much largely decided, I think, roughly at this point. I could be completely wrong. And, and maybe Ryan Day and company are looking at this and going, oh, you know, we could we could change our starter all the way up to the <laughs> to the day before the first game, which no <laughs> complete lie. That is such BS when, when coaches say that. But, it happens all the time, John. Oh my God. It never happens. But you know, I understand that that desire to have that, but honestly, it's it's just you want the whoever's playing to be really good. And I'm just rooting for whoever ends up with the ball in their hands. in that first game this fall is just right out the gate. I'm, I'm rooting for the guy who's going to win the national championship. That's the right. guy I'm rooting for. 
Right. And, you know, and honestly, you may not see that in the first game. It may take a little bit to kind of determine who's going to be that dude. And it may turn out that they made the wrong choice and it takes them three or four games to figure out who that right choice is. I've lived through that. I've seen that. But I don't know. It's just interesting to me because I know there's some people who are already like, oh, this is my guy. This is my guy. And I remember seeing that, you know, when it was between like, (laughs) like Tate Martell, there were some hardcore Tate Martell stands out there there. really were yeah and i don't like and i you know and i get it you you watch this guy like oh man i saw him on qb1 and i follow his thing and and he seems like a really cool guy that's fine but if someone else is kicking ass uh, accept that be cool with that that's fine there's nothing wrong with that so i don't know man We've, we've got the spring game coming up that should be interesting to check that out um i you know I think what are they doing for that? Like 30% capacity people. I think people are able to show up on that. I think it should be interesting. And and also interesting on that note, uh, the, the possibility of Ohio state fans getting to go in mass to football games at Ohio stadium this fall, uh, maybe took a step in that direction because uh, governor DeWine, I think announced in his latest uh, update on state's public health orders Monday that, Hey, maybe we won't have limits on outdoor uh, events in terms of number of people gathering. So that, uh, that'll be fun. Yeah. That, that tells me there's a possibility I might get to go see Def Leppard and Motley Crue in concert <laughs> also uh, this important. summer. <laughs> I mean, it's really, we, you know, we've been looking forward to that for a while. I'm trying to also see if I can't figure out uh, where to see George Thorogood this summer. Cause that's oh, a concert I've been doing. He's still kicking around. Old, yeah. Old yeah. In, in all seriousness, you know, George? kidding aside, George Thorogood and the Delaware destroyers uh, played the Ohio state fair. You know, it's, 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 there's always an arc to, to guys career, right? <laughs> yes. Like start out playing County fairs. Then you make big time tours as an opening act. Then you're headlining your own stadium tours. And then on the backside of your career, you find yourself again, playing state and County fairs and casinos. Yeah. It's, like the, it's the old is, spinal tap. Uh, it's, yeah, you, you, you got it. So George is at that stage in his career, but we saw him uh, at the Ohio State Fair, I guess this is two years ago now, maybe three times going by me. Mm. Fantastic concert. Fantastic concert. Absolutely. George has still got it. His band was tremendous. Um, Great. Guy was a fantastic entertainer. A 10 out of George's- 10 would, would go jam at that concert again. I listened to an interview with George Thurgood uh, back in the day, maybe about, oh gosh, it might've been 10, 15 years ago, but he was giving this interview to a local radio station. And he was like, look, I can't sing. I'm not really a good singer. Uh, I'm not a great guitarist or anything like that. So he kind of, he, he told himself, he's like, I got to make a decision here. And this is early in his career. And like, look, if I'm not going to be a really great singer, really great guitarist, I better put on one hell of a show. Cause if I can't do that, then I'm not going to be in this business very long. And so he's like, I go out there and I try to make every show as kick-ass as humanly possible because that's my jam. That's my, that's who I am. And, and I'm the like, heck wow, it is I respect like, the hell out of that. That's awesome. Good you know, for if you, you're, If you are not a, a thorough good fan, like as in, you know, have the whole catalog committed to memory and so on, you go to the concert <laughs> and you're like, all right, and you start thinking of the songs, you know, okay, I know Bad to the Bone. I know One right. Bourbon, One Scotch, One Beer and so on. Sure. And the next thing you know, like you're singing to every song, like you don't even realize that you know <laughs> so many songs in the george thurgood catalog and big fan of gear jammer that's like probably my favorite great song song. it's a great song and and, you know they're but the band is so good and the music like that just driving that that driving beat and that that guitar riffs that they're so known for like it's Mm -hmm. just fun to go and just let those guys riff for you know an extended bridge 
uh, and they and they do that quite a lot. But it's a it, great concert. Um, I would say you know one of the best concerts I've ever seen. This guy has since retired, but um, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band saw him twice in the last probably five years um, before he retired. Absolutely the best concerts uh two of the best concerts i've ever been to uh sad to hear that alto reed legendary sax player who fronted that band uh passed away earlier this year so that was that was pretty sad um but it shows that we love to go see every time they're in town you know def leopard journey although god only knows if they're ever going to be touring again because i guess they've had you know their latest falling out as a as a band but <laughs> def leopard's got it if you've got the chance to go see them george thoroughgood just a lot of yeah a lot of great classic rock and roll acts. And hopefully hopefully the summer of andy will be able to you know well we were supposed to go see deaf motley crew i'm trying to think who else i think joan jets on that tour i'm trying to remember who else but there are like four or five acts in that in that space we, we the stunning mrs vance is a huge deaf leopard fan so that's how i got into going to see deaf in concert i can actually see that i can i can see her like, yeah she's yeah she is, she's she's old school rock and rolls to the core and so we started um going to their shows so that's what got us we were going last summer last july up at first energy in cleveland for her birthday and then of course you know the show was postponed we were supposed to see journey the week of her birthday here in columbus at I can't remember if they were playing crew stadium or nationwide or where, but that show just got flat canceled um, when the band like broke up again. Uh, but we're still holding the tickets for the deaf concert, whenever it ever happens. I've never seen Motley Crue in concert, but I, I expect them to be very good. Yeah. Well, you, you can check out Motley Crue. I'll check out Bell Biv DeVoe and, and we'll no, nice. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. That's right. <laughs> the last concert I saw actually was right before everything shut down. It was a, it was a birthday present. I got to see uh, same hotel and they were kick ass. That was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. It was nice. so much fun. Um, and I can't find any video of it on YouTube and I'm kind of salty about it. Hmm. Uh, we got one more, one more kind of sporty thing to kind of get into here. If we do ask us anything, this is right up your alley, Andy, what, what's going on with some of these, uh, former high state wrestlers. Yeah. So this last weekend was a big weekend in the wrestling world. The U S uh, Olympic team trials in Texas, um, they were supposed to team trials were actually, were supposed to be held at, uh, at Penn state and due to COVID they, they didn't have it on campus, you know, couldn't have fans and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. so the, They'll be, them. yeah they'll be back there uh, i don't know if they're gonna bring it back there next year but it'll, it'll go back to to state college at some point but they had it in texas instead huge event um for team usa this is basically how usa wrestling which is the subsidiary of the u.s olympic committee is responsible it's basically the national governing body for um freestyle wrestling in and uh, greco-roman wrestling in the u.s uh, mm -hmm. hosting their team trials set up in the form of a challenge tournament. So anyone who had qualified for the tournament, and there were several different ways like wrestling at the U S open or placing, um, in a certain spot in the NCAA tournament and so on could qualify for the team trials. Uh, they would, would run that bracket. And then if you had a returning world champion, they got a buy to basically the finals of that, that bracket, or if you had a returning Olympic, uh, gold medal, uh, Olympic medalist, as in the case with, uh, reigning Olympic gold medalist, Kyle Snyder, uh, they got to go to the, uh, best of three finals to determine the team spot. Ohio state had six alumnus, uh, alumni and, and current, uh, wrestlers entered into the Olympic team trials. Current wrestler uh, Nicholas Boykin, who was a Greco-Roman 
um, wrestler. I think he ended up finishing third. And then you had five alumni who were competing in the freestyle bracket. Nathan Tomasello, the great 125 pounder, uh, who has been off um, for a while due to some injuries he sustained at the end of his collegiate career and has been coaching at Duke as an assistant and doing a great job down there. This was his first tournament back from injuries in a while. Um, and he looked fantastic, finished in third of the tournament and nice. earning a spot on the U.S. national team and as an Olympic alternate. So congratulations to NATO, one of my absolute favorite guys to wrestle for Ohio State. You had, uh, let's see, Joey McKenna, who is training at um, University of Pennsylvania at the Penn, not to be con confused with Penn State, but this is Penn as in uh, uh, you know Philadelphia. Um, he's training out of their regional training center there. He did a tremendous job, beat a lot of great guys, including four-time um, NCAA champ Zane Rutherford. So it was a huge weekend for him. Oh, wow. But he, he didn't um, – he finished – he made the finals, but uh, lost to um, Jordan Oliver, who will represent Team USA. So he finished second, so he'll be an alternate. Um, uh, let's see, Miles Martin, who recently went back home to New Jersey and is training out of the New Jersey Regional Training Center. Uh, he had kind of an up-and-down tournament, didn't didn't make it to the finals, but, but had uh, a couple great matches. Um, I expect Mymar to continue to have a great, great senior freestyle career. Let's mm -hmm. see. You had, uh, who am I forgetting here? Oh, Colin Moore, the mountain man at 97 kilograms. And he, you know, he's a guy who got shafted out of an NCAA title due to COVID. He was number one going into the NCAA tournament last year at 197 pounds. They don't have the tournament. His college eligibility ends, but he's been wrestling the best wrestling of his career on the freestyle circuit at 97 kilos. He was the number one seed in the bracket and rolled all the way through should have faced Jaden Cox, uh, who has actually been training part of the time out of the Ohio regional training center in Ohio state. Jaden, uh, wrestles normally 92 kilograms. He's a two time reigning world champion at 92 kilograms, but the Olympics only have six weight classes where, you know, you might normally say we wrestle, uh, 10 weights, in a normal freestyle world championship year, but the Olympics have compressed that down to six. So 92 kilo is not a thing at the Olympics. So Jaden was going to move up to 97 to challenge Kyle Snyder, the, the mm. reigning Olympian at that weight. Jaden didn't make weight. And it's kind of a big controversy Ooh. in re wrestling right now. Um, because the reason he didn't make weight is he showed up like 15 minutes after the scales closed because his coach told him that was the time was well, coach is also employed by USA wrestling. So the likelihood that there's some sort of legal action about Jaden, not making weight because his coach who was employed by USA wrestling told him the wrong time, hmm. pretty high, but that was supposed to be the marquee matchup was Jaden Cox versus Kyle Snyder. Didn't happen. Instead we had Colin Moore versus Kyle Snyder. So the finals were very, um, the, the commentators were very happy to talk about it being oh, sure. Buckeye versus Buckeye and, and right. a lot of great, a lot of great um, promo for the school there. Kyle Snyder, Captain America, is going back to Tokyo to represent, is going to Tokyo, back to the Olympics to represent Team USA. He won the first match versus Colin and a 10-0 tech fall. Colin had a much better second match, um, but Kyle won it, and uh, that, was, that was the way that I think you probably would pencil it out just because Snyder is – you know, he's arguably the second best guy on the planet at 97 kilograms, you know. Well, I was going to say Snyder. I mean, there, it seemed like maybe he had kind of a backslide a little bit and, and now he's, he's so, kind of... you know, it depends on who you ask, because if, if you go back and you look at when Snyder won the gold, um, you know, he, he was, 
he was as good as it gets, especially at his age. Like it yeah. was just really incredible. And then what happens, you know, he, he ends up running up against Abdul Rashid Sejulayev, right. who the Russian tank is, as, as he is known. And, you know, they, they kind of went back and forth. This would be um, their third meeting, you know, Sejulayev penned Kyle the last time they, yes, they wrestled. And, yeah. And, and so there are, there are folks out there who would tell you Sejulayev just can't be beat. You know, he is basically even Drago. Uh, yeah. and, and Kyle Snyder is Sylvester Stallone is, is Rocky, you know, the plucky upstart, mm-hmm. um, who is, who is trying to take down the guy. Now there's no question. Like, I think everyone agrees. Snyder is one of the, the maybe two best guys on the planet at that weight class. And maybe one of the, you know, pound for pound top three or four guys at any weight, uh, yeah. anywhere in the world. Like there's, there's tremendous respect for captain American, how good he is as a freestyle wrestler, but there's definitely a school of thought that says Sajulayev is just that much better than everybody else. You know, Kyle tomorrow, tomorrow, a meme from uh, the last dance, you know, I'd say Kyle probably would say, and I took that personally. Um, (laughs) that's, I mean, that's the big reason, frankly, that Kyle left the Ohio RTC was because he, he, you know, was looking and saying he'd lost, there's two, you know, world championships in a row that he didn't win after being the dominant guy in the sport for several years in a row. And he just, he needed to change the pace. I will say I will root harder for Kyle Frederick Snyder in Tokyo than anyone on the planet to win gold. He is, um, his, his Ohio state doesn't owe him a thing. He doesn't owe Ohio state a thing. Uh, you know, the guy won three national titles here. Yeah, of course. Won multiple world championships and Olympic gold medal here. Um, I, but I will say it does frost my flakes to see him with a Nittany Lion wrestling club logo on his single oh, yeah. world champ at the uh, Olympic trials. That was tough. Yeah. So that, 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 that's things have this sort of like conflict uh, about how to feel about Kyle Snyder for that reason. But I would just say he is your guy. And uh, unless you want to cheer for the Russians to win, then you <laughs> need to line up and get behind. Get behind. seems like a cool dude. I, but I, I agree that, yeah, when it comes to the Olympics, doesn't matter which school you're, you know, you're going for. You want no, it's uh, team USA all the way. I know, it's you team know, USA all the way. you know, it, it, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, you know, if the kid wrestled at Michigan, once he puts that team USA singlet on, he's my guy, you know, right. I mean, he's I my guy. Have- I was a huge Michael Phelps fan, right? Like I followed yeah. all of this. Dude swam for Michigan, right? You well, bet. he didn't necessarily swim for Michigan, he was swimming at Michigan, right? And they're similar situation, I guess. Um, so yeah, and the, so this will be an interesting Olympics for the Team USA in wrestling because you've had sort of a changing of the guard. Nick Wisdowski had been the heavyweight representative for Team USA for for several years in the freestyle space. You know, basically picked up from Travel Delagnev um, and, and Gwiz has been the guy for a few years. And Gable Stevenson, who is uh, the, the recent uh, NCAA champion at, uh, at heavyweight, he just beat the tar out of Gwiz. And to watch a guy who was that seasoned at um, freestyle get rolled by a college sophomore like that, it's just, uh, and Stevenson is really special. So you're going to have a new Olympian there. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, um, slightly different story, but same thing with the guy I, is one of my favorite wrestlers to watch Jordan Burroughs down at uh, 86 kilo Burroughs. Um, he's been on the U S men's freestyle world team for, I want to say 10 years now, um, has won a boatload of world titles, 
bar none, one of the best to ever do it. And uh, he lost his spot to, to Kyle Dake, the um, Cornell grad. And, and Dake, um, you know, has been tremendous. And there was another one where Dake moved up a weight class or up or down one or the other. I have to get, a, get my head square on that. But um, he moved to a different weight class, again, because that class doesn't exist at the Olympics right. and beat Burroughs in straight sets. So you're going to have two new guys replacing guys who have been on the team for a while. So this is going to be kind of a new look freestyle team um in in a lot of ways but i think there's a lot of potential and i think you know the russians will be the favorite to win the team medal at the olympics but uh this team's got potential to beat them yeah well that would be that would be a lot of fun to watch and i you know i just i like the grappling sports i like watching all of those at the olympics it's not something i necessarily follow outside of college wrestling i mean i'm not you know watching judo in my spare time but when it happens when they have it i i am transfixed and not just because of Middletown native Kayla Harrison winning some gold medals for uh, uh, United States judo first ever. And, you know, pride of pride of middle talking, but um, it's just fun. It's just, you know, it, it's just high stakes. It's always interesting. Hopefully they'll have some kind of crowd there. That'll get everybody. I, I love the Olympics to me. It is, it is one of the, for say what you will about amateurism and, and, you know, the, the sham of amateurism that is NCAA sport or whatnot, but there to me, there's just nothing, better than the olympics like i i and some of this is nostalgia on my part because i grew up watching the olympics with my parents and like sure. you know, we want of course this is you know back in the day when you didn't have the internet to go to and get the results in real time and <laughs> right. you know we were we were waiting to watch these things in prime time and and so on uh but like that was appointment viewing you know yeah and we would watch every minute of coverage that we could get and it was like this family uh you know bonding experience around the television and so i just yeah i'm, I'm, a, I'm an olympic stan i am too i'm a huge fan of the olympics and i know they have all kinds of you know problems associated with it and whatnot yeah. it, it's still the patentry and, and just the idea of like international sport i i don't know i still still a little romantic about that kind of stuff I'm, yep. you know what i'm I mean? a sucker like yeah, I am. I am a little bit of a sucker for it, and it's it's not going to go away. It's just you know part of my sports consumption. Uh, we remind you that the Eleven Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at elevenwarriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. It's getting warm. Buy some shirts. Dry Goods, D R Y G O O D S dot elevenwarriors.com check it out. It's good stuff. Let's do some ask us anything. You can send us questions to ask us anything uh, to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Ask us literally anything. I mean, we, we love answering all of your interesting and insightful questions. And, and to wit, uh, we have our good friend Alvin sending us a question this week. Uh, RE Ohio Transit Project. And for those who may not know, it looks like uh, maybe some money coming our way. Ohio. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, what are your key items you want to see in a functional public transportation? Um, and we can talk specifically about like Columbus, I guess that might be good, but you can, you can stretch it to Ohio as well. Is there anything in particular that you want to see Andy Vance? I, you know, I would say one of the things that I have struggled with for a long time, and I, and I would preface this by saying, understand that like my biases and background come from growing up in, you know, rural Southern Ohio, Mm -hmm. uh you had to drive to everything like we didn't walk to anything there was no you know bicycling to the corner store or anything along yeah. those lines there sure as heck there was no city bus that you know we were, or rode the school bus you know that was the only experience i had with public transportation in in my youth and then you know as i have i've gotten older i've moved from 
you know, the rural part of the state to kind of the outer ring suburbs to now living relatively close to downtown. Um, and I would say my attitudes and opinions about transportation, transit, and so on have, have shifted along those lines. Like I live in a very walkable community now mm-hmm. and, you know, it'd be cool to be able to, the, you know, the stunning Mrs. Vance works downtown really close to the state house. It'd, it'd be cool to be able to be, if this is like one of the old European cities or even some of the, the U S cities that do this to be able to just like hop on, you know, uh, trolley rail, light rail type of thing, or to hop on, you know, some sort of, of rail based, um, public transit and just buzz downtown. You're like, we're, a yeah. we're, we're a 10 minute drive from the state house. Um, but you know, there's no reason that I need my car downtown. Right. So right. like I, that, that would be a cool thing. Now, am I going to go hop on the bus and go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, that's, that's a shade too inconvenient. Like I'm still at that bubble of balancing convenience. Um, you know, I'm not going to wait on the bus, but I would, you know, walk to like a rail station and hop on and buzz downtown. The other thing I, th- I that has always puzzled me is why when I go to Europe, um, I love going to Europe, why I can get on a train and go anywhere. Uh, right. but I, but I can't do that from Cincinnati to Columbus, to Cleveland or to yeah. Chicago or to Pittsburgh. Like I just, that has always baffled me. Now I know there are a lot of real answers for that ranging from the obscene cost. It takes us to build those sort of developments here to, mm. you know, regulations and, uh, and you know, the regulatory scheme and so on. I don't need to get off in those weeds, but like that, I would love to see us have sort of that you know, you're, you, you spent a lot of time in Japan. I have no doubt that you were on the train at some point, um, and buzzing at great speed across the countryside. So, I mean, I lived, so I lived in Japan for a year and it was kick-ass and I love trains. Like I just, I, I've always really liked just the idea of trains, but living in Japan was heaven when it came to that, because you can, I mean, my apartment was literally a block away from the train station. And I could get on that train and go literally anywhere in the country, like just take enough trains, like you can go anywhere. And it was awesome. Uh, What I'll say, though, I think kind of separates. I mean, if you're going to talk about how we would build up infrastructure, like in central Ohio, we have a pretty darn good bus system. Honestly, our our bus system here in Columbus is pretty good. And a lot of people kind of poo poo. I don't ride the bus. We've got a good bus system. It's not great. It can be better. They can add better stops and all that kind of stuff. But it's good. It's reliable. They've got a lot of buses running. Uh, it goes to a lot of the places of the city. Um, it's not ideal for me because I like the the train system. I like the idea of like a you know a light rail and that kind of stuff. But for what we have, it it works pretty well. The issue with Columbus is that it is such a sprawling city. The, the yeah. density is not really there right now to support a large amount of mass transit. People talk about how like Columbus is the you know one of the largest cities in the United States without. Uh, you know, large rapid or mass transit or rail transit. Um, and while that's true, I don't know that it's necessarily the best idea for Columbus right now because of the way things are situated. I do think Columbus would benefit from um, short distance light rail, like downtown, like the short north, right? Could I think be made a lot more viable with like a simple light rail system that just a tram that just gets people from one part of the, you know, downtown to the next i think that would be awesome i think they should start with that kind of stuff locally and then maybe you can build up maybe as the city gets larger but right now the the population density just isn't there to support it in the way that you want and and people are mostly okay with the loop right like it's not it gets some traffic jams but it's really not that bad i mean you're not looking at like you know columbus or new york style traffic jams um 
so because of that, I think people are, are you know, you don't want to build something people aren't going to ride. And well, yeah, I think so my, my thing with it, like where I'm thinking like long-term big picture. Sure. Yeah. And if, and if the goal is, you know, we need fewer cars on the road, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, I know people all the time that would say, well, you know, I, I wouldn't need a car, but you know, like you, this is a city where you, you just, you got to have a car. You you know? pre- yeah you basically have to have one and and um, what, what i find interesting like moving from the outer ring suburbs to closer to downtown like i live in a community now where in theory i wouldn't have to get in my car right and i think you know yeah, probably six days of the week downtown, like, that's a good idea yeah like i wouldn't necessarily i could i can walk to the grocery store i can walk to graders and i can walk to my kid's school um i've got you know doctors dentists um you, you know all of those kind of services that i need within basically within walking distance of my house mm-hmm. now you know there again the stunning mrs vance works downtown so so she does commute there and we we do go places you know, we might god forbid go to easton or something along those lines you're not gonna you're not gonna walk or ride your bike there no. um but like i i'm thinking longer term if we want to be more environmentally friendly then fewer cars is probably a good place to think about starting. And how do you do that? Well, the only way you do that is if I've got alternatives, either yeah. the world has to get smaller, i.e. I, you know, walk most places or, or there's got to be, you know, and there's a balance there between, you know, convenience and, and, and cost and, and so on. And you're, you're probably right. Population density is the thing. I think we also have to, and I say this as a farm kid who, I either want to be in a walkable community like this where I never have to get into my car or I want to be back out on the farm. Like I, <laughs> I found that right. the suburbs are not where I want to be. Like that's yeah. not a happy place for me where I can I either that. walk to places, but I also am not really out in the country. <laughs> right. That's uh, and I, I, Reynoldsburg was a great town to live in when we lived there, but it was, it was neither fish nor fowl. I was neither out in farm country, nor was I, you know, in a community. And I didn't get that till we moved closer to downtown. Yeah. Um, but I would say, you know, as a, as a farm kid, like, I think, I think we as a society should probably embrace population density more than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it solves a whole lot of public policy issues. And, you know, again, as a farm kid, like we've been talking about urban sprawl for yeah. basically my entire life and what that's yep. meant for farm country and the rural urban interface and so on. Um, you know, I, but we definitely could stand to, to jump on board with the idea of increase. Yeah. Well, so locally and and so on. Right. And locally, I think it's, it's good. Like, I like the, like I said, I like the idea of like a small scale, um, you know, mass transit rail, uh, light rail within the city, just in, in very small directed places that people use. I think large scale though, I, I think it's silly that there isn't any kind of commuter rail between Cleveland and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and, and Chicago. I think that has to happen at a certain point. Um, not just because it would be cool, <laughs> right. but because I think it really, I think those are the types of things that help connect a region um, economically as well. And, you know, there's a lot of people in Ohio who would love to be able to get to Chicago easily. Like there's a lot of people who would like to spend money in Chicago and be able to come back and do that. And, and uh, instead of driving, you know, however many hours it, you got to drive through and like, nobody wants to do that. Right. People would like to go to Pittsburgh easily. I rode Amtrak from Cleveland to New York city once. 
And it was a really interesting experience, but it's not one that I would want to do on a regular basis because it's not, even though that's a relatively well-trafficked corridor, it's, it's just doesn't have the funding. It doesn't, it's not built up in such a way to make it a good experience. And I, you know, look, as a guy who rode trains all the time in Japan, it's just night and day. I mean, it's not even close. I rode the Shinkansen, I rode the bullet train. It's one of the wildest experiences of my life. And not because it was like, I could feel it going fast. It's just because it was so luxurious. And I, I had a, you know, I had the basic coach ticket, lowest price, whatever. And it still felt like I was being pampered by the, the train gods. And it was just, it was incredible. Um, so I want other people that, to be able to have that experience. Well, that's one of the things that uh, has always puzzled me a bit, you know, and this is maybe, this is a whole big topic. You could probably write a dissertation on this, but the cost of train transit in this in this country so like the, my, my one experience doing the train doing amtrak was taking the train from bwi uh you know, flew in southwest to bwi and then took the amtrak down to dc instead of flying mm-hmm. into reagan or dulles or something along those lines and and that was fine that was okay not a not a big deal i mean that's a 45 minute train trip if anything but I, I'm kind of like you, like, I love the idea of trains. So I've looked into different times of, okay, I want to take a train trip to somewhere like vacation, you know, by train kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it is, it is ungodly expensive in this yeah, country it's cheap. to it's travel. Not, really I, mean, I mean, it just mind blowing. Maybe it's a, maybe it's more of a commentary of how inexpensive airfare has been for mm-hmm. the better part of my adult life. Maybe that's really the story. I don't know. But well, it's also what you prioritize, like in terms of infrastructure, right? Like getting on a train in Japan is not expensive. It's it's very easy to do so, and it's cheap. And getting on a plane is more expensive because that's what they've prioritized, right? Like that's what they've decided to put in infrastructure dollars, and people use it. Whereas you know, to to be able to maintain Amtrak, it's like, well, we only got like five people on this thing, so we got to make sure that we got the right price and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, it's it's not cheap. It's it's not cheap, and I I would like it to be cheap and something that people use and you know i you know i love driving my car i'm not saying i don't like driving cars i i mean shoot i did that i delivered auto parts for a couple years i enjoyed that quite a bit but um there's i don't know it's just a fun way to travel and i hope more people get into it because it's cool I, i think i enjoy driving less the older i get and it's kind of like i remember dad when i was a kid and he was teaching us to drive he said he always said i don't worry about you boys i worry about all of the other idiots on the road that was <laughs> yeah. like if i heard dad say that once i heard it a hundred times and like now you know i i, I was in the car for a, a sum total of about 20 minutes today just like running some errands mm-hmm. and i marveled at crap i saw on the road and how people get to point a to point b like oh how is- like hi it's a minor miracle that i made it yeah. back alive <laughs> but you did and and we're happy for it and look keep sending those great ask us anything questions uh we love answering them we love hearing them and it's the off season so get as wacky as you want right. um but we will definitely be back next week. We'll talk more about spring practice. We'll break down what eventually will happen, I guess, tonight. I don't know, at some point. Um, <laughs> and look ahead uh, maybe to some other uh, sporting events for Ohio State. But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.